Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So today we're going to continue walking through writing a RAP plan, and that is an acronym for Wellness Recovery Action Plan. In part one, episode 156, we talked about developing a wellness toolbox, a daily maintenance plan, and now we're moving on to the other end of the spectrum, sort of what do you do when things start to get bad? Exactly. So in this episode, we're going to look at triggers, which we'll define later. And what we can do if upsetting things happen, what's some early warning signs that we're not feeling mentally healthy, what are they for for you, for me, for us, and things we can do to help ourselves feel better, signs that things are getting worse, and things that both we and our supporters can do to help, and signs and action plans for when we may be experiencing a crisis and what you can do after a crisis to help recover and maintain your wellness. Our guest again today is Katrina Koppel, an advanced level RAP, W-R-A-P facilitator, who not only has her own plans completed, but helps others write theirs. If you're following along with a free PDF outline that we linked to with this episode and posted on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook community page, we're starting with triggers, which is step two under setting up a daily maintenance plan. Triggers in this context is anything that happens externally that causes a feeling of unease, um, maybe a flashback to a previous time where you felt unsafe. Um, It also can include any moments where it just brings up this emotion of fight or flight or, um, you know, remind you of a situation that you may have been in before. And so triggers basically are anything external that causes you an internal negative reaction. Part of the RAP plan is naming those. Katrina says examples of triggers that come up a lot in workshops include driving on freeways, being dismissed in a conversation, and painful anniversaries. And being able to look at those and make a list gives you the opportunity to recognize, yes, this is something that's affecting me, because if you go through the day and you have 8, 10, 12 triggers, and you're not doing something to address those in a positive way, then what happens to us? Mm -hmm. We get overwhelmed. We start in with the headaches. We start in with the body aches. We start disassociating from the overwhelming emotions. Katrina points out there are specific wrap plans for those whose overwhelming emotions include the experience of being in the military, dealing with chronic physical health issues, or having experienced trauma. You can find them at mentalhealthrecovery.com, which we'll link to. Yes, you'll write down what your triggers are, and you don't have to 
all of them, but the big ones. And then you create a wellness plan that can be very simple for each one of those triggers. It gives you a ability to respond to help you get back to wellness faster. Section 3 in a RAP plan focuses on early warning signs, defined in the workbook, as subtle signs of changes in our thoughts, feelings, or behavior, which indicate you may need to take action to avoid a worsening of your situation. This is when we still have some self-awareness and some control. Imagine how helpful it could be if you had some things on a list, and though you weren't consciously aware you were slipping, you looked at your plan and realized, uh uh-oh. And you really need to be able to hone down what this moment looks for you. It's a sign that lets you know you are feeling worse and being unable to sleep, nervousness, hearing voices. For individuals who may have substance use struggles, it's looking up that old contact, maybe having the desire to use again. So those types of things, your body's talking to you. And having a wellness and crisis plan can help us both listen to our body and respond because we've done the thinking when we weren't triggered to guide us when we are. The action plan around that is what are you going to do about it? Most of the wellness recovery action plan is built around personal responsibility and self-choice. How are you going to choose to respond to what you're feeling? It's an empowering reminder, really, that we have both choices in how we respond to things, and we have some tools at our disposal to limit the number of bad choices we have. Still, life happens. So we plan for when things start breaking down or getting worse. In this section, you list basically the signs that let you know things are sliding downhill. Uh, You may have been feeling sad for days or weeks. You may be having suicidal ideation. And so this is the moment where you go, I need to make very distinct plans and decisions to get me back to wellness. Otherwise, I know where this is going to go. That's sort of your last chance, it sounds like, in in the slide to still have that self-awareness. Yes. And recognizing that each one of these, you know, the, the triggers, the early warning signs when things are breaking down is a progression. And so being able to recognize those moments will assist you in initiating the plan of, okay, I know the exact thing that I need because this crisis may be coming quick. One of the things about mental health struggles is you can go from triggers to when things are breaking down very quickly. And if or when we do slip into a crisis, we and our support teams will have several pages to refer to as a guide to both respect and protect us. So the crisis plan is built specifically to assist individuals to stay in control even though they're ill. So as you move through the different sections of the crisis plan, there are nine sections. And you fill it out ahead of time when you are feeling well, when you do have clarity of thought, and you are, have the chance to, who do I trust to make those healthcare decisions for me? Who do I want involved in my care? 
who do I trust with those situations? And you break it down into here are the things that I know I need, whether it's I need to have my best friend, I need to have my counselor, I need to contact a mental health professional. And then you go through, here's the medications that I know work for me, and here are the ones that I know don't work. Um, Also being able to, if I need to just not work, call out, who am I going to have make that phone call for me? You make that decision ahead of time, and you talk with the individual who's going to be making that phone call for you. That way, everybody's on the same page. The literal pages of the RAP and other crisis or safety plans also include the names and numbers of your support team, personal and professional, people and treatments you do and do not want involved, and many other specifics that speak clearly for us when needed. In the Wellness Recovery Action Plan, the crisis moment is when you can no longer successfully make determinations for yourself. This can be a very, very tough moment for people to admit that they need someone else to take over. It can be very scary. It can be traumatic. Um, And those are moments where you may feel completely out of control, but at the same time not trust anybody else to make those decisions for you. So what kinds of things under the umbrella of depression or mental health crisis can you see being really helpful to have written down and in in this crisis plan? For individuals that I've talked with uh, who have developed their own plans around crisis reaction, um, they, number one, needed to know, where am I going to go? So designating, here is where my insurance will cover me to go. And here's what my personal preference is, whether you need to go into a facility or if you need quiet time to yourself, who is going to be the person who's going to stay with you for a day or two? Who do I need to contact to let them know I'm not going to be coming into work? You don't need to disclose why because you need to protect the individual's personal health information. So everybody knows what the plan is and what the steps need to be. That way, even though you may be feeling ill and out of control, everyone is following the plan that you have designated. And in the example of a parent, a friend, a therapist, they would all know the other people too. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that a therapist would call a friend, but a friend could certainly call your therapist. You know, exactly. how does that interconnectivity and, and everybody's having the same page with the same names and the same numbers on it help when things really get bad? Um, That's actually part three of the crisis plan, and this is basically where you're able to write down after agreement uh, from the individuals their names, their phone numbers, and their area that you would like them to take care of. And you can make copies of this and give it to each individual. That way they know, okay, I have agreed to take care of the dogs and water the plants. Monica is going to contact the therapist and let them know, hey, This individual is in need of support, and here's what they're requesting. And then, of course, the therapist will know, okay, here is what my client has requested be done. I just am overwhelmed by how how helpful that would be in a crisis because we're so, my sister always uses the word unresourced. Yeah. 
And I suspect if I called my most caring supporter and said, you know, blah, assuming I could, then it would be like, oh my gosh, you know, there's an overwhelm and a, and a sudden crisis on their end. Whereas it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. And it, it gives you the ability to be proactive because it can be extremely difficult for people to say, hey, I'm feeling a little out of control. I think I need you to make some decisions for me. And a lot of that is the stigma that is around in our society for mental health. But at the same time, being able to have the bravery to admit that. It is an act of bravery to take steps to control what can feel totally out of our control. And the plan gives us the opportunity to revise it as we learn and change, even post-crisis. And this is an area where you think about what did I learn through this? This is after the crisis has passed, you're feeling stronger. So this gives you an opportunity to kind of look hindsight and say, okay, I do recognize where that slide was. I do see those days of depression, my secluding, not talking to people, not answering phone calls, and you can have additional clarity into seeing your own mental health patterns or substance use patterns. And it also gives you an opportunity to thank your supporters. And we want to take the opportunity to thank everyone listening. Because being part of conversations that can make us all feel like we have the power, right, and ability to prioritize our mental health and safety is a huge step in how we care for not just ourselves, but each other, too. These are things that need to be brought into our society as saying, you know, these are actually good things. It's no different than having earthquake insurance or flood insurance. This is wellness insurance. I love that wellness insurance. It's a form of, really, it's a form of self-care too, but it's a form of empowerment during a time when you're so disempowered. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's like giving yourself and your loved ones a roadmap to follow that you created. So you're more likely to like the outcome mm-hmm. because when you were in a good place, you thought through it logically and systematically and wrote it down. And I love the first half of it. You know, I, I, I've been making one and Bridget will be talking about that because I want you to do one too and, and us to be a part of each other's support. But, you know, the idea of recognizing what and who you're like when you're well and the triggers and the things that can, you know, make us stumble before we fall and and have that upstream, I'm always using that word, um, focus. I like that a lot because it makes it less likely you're going to need a crisis plan, but it's good to have it there when you do, if you do. Right. I recently took a class that required you to come up with a strategy and plan for something other than mental health. But it, one of the um, kind of ending notes from the instructors was, you know, print several copies, make sure that you get copies to everybody who you want to have copies long in advance and to place your copy in a place that's very stress-free and easy to locate. You, know, hmm. you don't want to have to go through your filing cabinet. Right. And what did I label that f- folder? And, oh, hmm. gosh, hmm. you know, by then you've probably stopped if right. you're not in a good place. Right. And wrap plan might or might not mean anything, right? Maybe it needs to just say in bold letters in case of emergency or something for the that end of the, the plan. Mental health emergency plan or something. Right. Yep, yep. 
So we want to note that the Copeland Center, which created the RAP plan, recommends that you make your RAP plan in a group setting led by certified facilitators. But we're very aware that not everybody can, and then we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So we're going to link to free PDFs and outlines that um, that you can use, and also some links to bound workbooks if you prefer to work that way. That'll cost a couple bucks, but um, we just want to make it as easy as possible and reduce the number of barriers to creating one because it's a great idea to have and it can make a huge difference. Right. And, you know, our bottom line message here is just do it. Just do it. And, you know, you could always loop back later and talk to a facilitator if for some reason that doesn't feel accessible to you at this time. You know, you can tweak it and look. I think it's always a good idea for our long-term plans to revisit them and update them and clarify them. Absolutely. You can do that with a professional maybe down the line. Absolutely. And a lot of them are peer support people. So, you know, when you think of professionally concerned, that can be maybe intimidating in terms of thinking of a medical professional. But um, a lot of it is with peer support. Which means what exactly, Terry? Which means somebody else who's been through it, right? Katrina actually was one of the instructors when I became certified during this pandemic as a certified peer specialist. And the idea is that somebody else who's been through it. So you're not asking a doctor or a, somebody who, who knows theoretically what this can all feel like and be like, as opposed to someone who you know has been through it. Yeah, I personally really like that peer support idea that seems like there's less judgment. There's, you know, far more empathy and understanding. Perhaps they in their process have other questions that you want to consider. Um, and it's just another form of, of uh, speaking your truth. And, and uh, I mean, let's be honest, we're all kind of weed whacking or machete whacking a path right now. And um, any help along the way is, is welcome. Absolutely. And I would love to hear on the Facebook page when people are making their plans, I would love to hear just any comments about their process in this. Oh, that's great. I'd love to hear it too. All right. Take care. Bye, Bridge. Love you. Love you. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.